Father, I thank you for the word that you are about to give us. You know my heart, you know my passion, you know my desires. You know the, every word that I said to you in prayer over this message. And I pray that as we go and we see this movie, God, that we, we don't look at it in a judgmental way of the millions and millions and millions and millions of babies that have been killed. But Lord, we look at it as in a new season, a chance for people to know the truth and for that truth to set them free from the bondage of deception that runs rampant in our world. I speak to the spirit of deception and I say you are a liar, you are a thief, devil, and you have no place in the hearts and the minds of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been doing a series on the body of Christ, discovering God. And we've been learning how we, how we are to discover God, and we're learning it through everyday people. Everyday people who met Jesus. And I want to just say to you, as Terry said earlier, that we love you, I am so happy that you came today. It thrills me that men and women, boys and girls, get up in the morning and go to church. Listen to the messages. Even though I'm not perfect, even though I may mess up, and sometimes I'm not on, as in it wasn't that good of a message. But we have the Holy Spirit that resides in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us and, and molds and shapes us. And so I'm glad you're here. I would also, and I'm going to use a term that I don't use a lot. I wish that you brought your Bible. And if you didn't, maybe bring your iPad or your smartphone, whatever it is, so that you can have the word next to you, even though we have it on the screen. Because the purpose of this series is for us to get in Scripture and know who God is, know His character. And if you know his character, then it lets you know how God's going to respond. Matter of fact, the word is given to us so we know how God responds. But actually, God himself came to this earth. His name is Jesus. And he responded to everyday people in many different encounters. And so the ultimate conclusion we have is that we will have a correct concept of God. A correct concept of God is bottom line this, is that we literally know who he is. And because we know who he is, we know how he responds, how he thinks, how he talks, because we got his word, which in turn causes us to know how to think, how to speak, and how to live our lives. That to me is the smartest thing that I can ever do is to know my creator, don't you? Because if you know your creator, then you know how you are to live your life. Well, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 3 or, or poke your iPad. 
And let's begin to find out what Jesus wanted his disciples to find out in the three years, or the, actually the three and a half years, of being with him. And this is what Jesus wanted them to get. I'm going to tell you right at the beginning. In the three years Jesus was with the disciples, every day Jesus had people on his mind. It was about people. It was about touching the lives of people. It's about understanding people. Now, the disciples had on their mind power, position, and prestige. Power, position, and prestige. What can we get out of this guy? Jesus had to constantly say to them, guys, you're still not getting it. Remember the the time that Jesus said, how long do I have to be with you? And it wasn't that they really didn't understand what he was teaching. They weren't understanding his heart. And so today, I want to show you in in three uh, conclusions of what I've seen, exactly the heart of God. And from there, we can begin to live our lives right there with it. So let's look at the call Jesus gave the disciples. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, uh, a lot of us know this. We've heard sermons on this. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Most people say, yep, Jesus commissioned the disciples, commissioned us to do three things. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. But according to Mark chapter 3, I see four, not three. Before Jesus released them to do the three things, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons, Jesus said this, Jesus appointed the 12 to be with him. Did you not know that you are perfectly gifted by God? You have been gifted by a perfect God, so you're perfectly gifted. The call of God upon your life is absolutely established and perfectly set apart for you to accomplish. Your life, your purpose in life that God gave you, God called you to, has been set up so that you will succeed in that life. In the process of that, what you find is that there are three major things that we talk about, the preaching, the healing, and the casting out demons. But here's the most important thing, not only that he gifted you and he perfectly purposed you to accomplish things in your life, that is what you can do. He absolutely wants to be intensely in relationship with you. God wants to relate with you in such an intimate way. He wants you to see his heart towards you. He wants you to understand his love for you. Because if you understand his love, then hear what I'm saying. Then you're going to get what it took three years for the disciples to get. See, if we're not with him, 
This is what I figured out. If we're not with him, it doesn't really matter how much we preach, heal, or cast out demons. The first thing we are supposed to do is to be with Jesus. Then we know why we do the three other things. Your call is to intimately love God as he loves you. Your call is to intimately receive everything that God has for you and to believe it and to know it. And then begin to give it out. How do you give it out? You preach the gospel, you heal the sick, and you cast out demons. Did you know that most churches don't pray for the sick? Why is that? Did you know that a lot of churches don't disciple, evangelize, and teach? Why is that? They have a lot of great programs. They don't go out and preach the gospel. My summation of this is because they're not with him in an intimate way. And that breaks my heart. As long as I'm pastor of this church, we're going to preach the word. We're going to pray, heal the sick. We're going to cast out demons. But we're going to be taught the word to be with God. Are you with me on that? And I loved it with a, the baby dedication. You, you, you see the love and the, and the relationship, and then you... You see the love for the child and, and, and the sisters are just beautiful sisters. They're just there. They're a little older and, and they remind me of my oldest grandchild who's always looking to take care of and to do something. And, and you just see that togetherness and, and no family's perfect, but you see that. They're a great example of what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus wants with you. He wants to be family with you. The reason Jesus called the 12 for three years is they would get it. And understand that people were always on his mind. In, in Jesus' most difficult time of his life, people were on his mind. In the most difficult time of Jesus' life, people were on his mind. Let me just say a few. And, and we've read this. We know these. On the cross, he said to John, John, behold your mother. John, take care of my mom, will you? because he was concerned about his mother. Here he's been beaten to the, to the almost to death. He's been beaten. Of course, they couldn't take his life unless he gave it. He was ridiculed, cussed at, spit at, vinegar thrown at him, whipped. And on the cross, he said, John, behold your mother. And you know what the literal scripture is saying there, this is the most amazing mother you'll ever know. Behold, I give her to you. Wow. Remember the thief on the cross? The thief was on Jesus' mind. And the one thief said, you know, hey, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The whole world was on his mind 
when he said, Father, forgive them. Remember on the cross, he's looking out, he's just about ready to say, into your hand I commend my spirit. It is finished. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you look at those three, you hear preaching the gospel, healing the sick. His mother was devastated. Her emotions were healed because she was taken care of. Cast out demons where sin came from. Wow. Everything he was teaching even on the cross. He was saying, guys, it's about people. So the question, why were people always on his mind? The first reason is because Jesus knew the Father's heart better than anyone else ever had. Remember on the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was the first time in all of history that there was a broken fellowship between Jesus and the Father because he took our sin upon him. He knew the Father better than anyone else. Jesus had the love of the Father. He was the Father's daily delight. You know, Scripture tells us that Jesus was the Father's daily delight, and then it turns right around and tells you and me that we are Jesus' daily delight. So what the Father did, Jesus did. Why did they both do the same? Well, you know, because they were together for billions of years. No. They knew each other. No. It's because of love. God is love. See, the reason Jesus came to earth was for people because you were his daily delight. He didn't want eternity to be spent without you. So in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, I want to read this. And um, I want you to see the, the, just the forecast that Jesus gives to the disciples for their future. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume the Samaritans just as Elijah did with the prophets? Now, what this was, the Samaritans were Gentiles, Jerusalem was Jews, and they had problems with each other. And they weren't accepting each other. So when they were going to go through Samaria, they didn't want him to go through there because he was going to go to Jerusalem. They wanted him to come to them. So they got all ticked off. They got mad. And, and, and so the disciples got mad and said, who do you think you are? Who do you think we are? We're the disciples. This is Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so they said, you want us to call down fire from heaven to kill him? But he turned and he rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Beelzebub, Satan. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. 
Time and time again, the Father's heart is about people. Time and time again, Jesus was saying this to you. Now, I need you to know God's heart. You know, I need to know God's heart better than I have before. It's not about me. It's about others. In my life, from younger age, you know, the, the baseball career, although it's not really a career, it was just high school and a little bit of college. But the reality is, is the baseball, you know, you're always getting better and being on the, in the paper, all the different things. And this is, this is Gary Klaus, you know, the pitcher for, for, for the Rams and all the different things and the team that I played for. And, and so here's, here's the reality. It's not about me, but it's about people. Luke 15, verse 1, says this, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees, the religious people, and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying... Actually, Jesus gives three parables, and I'll tell you what they were in a moment. But the, the thing that was happening here was the world, the religious people, which is basically a lot of the world there at the time, the complaint about Jesus was he ate with sinners. He hung out with people that didn't have it together. So they said, you should spend more of your time with the important people, with us. And there again, they didn't get it. Jesus' response, again, is you still didn't get it. Important people need salvation, and down and out people need salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, what, believes in him, shall not, what, perish, but have everlasting life. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Jesus tells three parables to get them to understand. And I want you to read them later. Just write, it's in your note, write it down. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. You will see the same principle in all three. Jesus says, my father in all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes home. Jesus would have come to this earth if only one would have received him. And what he's trying to bring to the disciples in the three to three and a half years that he is with them is this. You have to understand, I have come to save the lost. The reason Jesus comes to earth, the reason why he came to earth, was to eat with sinners. That was one of his main purposes. Here's the second reason people are always on his mind. Jesus understood the reality of eternity better than anyone ever had. When a person came to Jesus, his thoughts are this. This person will either spend eternity with me or in hell. There is a pending reality coming, and it's not on this earth. Did you know that no houses, no lands, no possessions or bank accounts <laughs> make it to, other, to the other side except people. 
Did you know that people last forever? Did you know that you last forever? A lot of people say, I don't say this anymore. I'm just believing that I'm going to live 80 years old. Well, you know, the word says, you know, 120. I'm going to say, you know, I believe according to the word, I will never die. Amen. Now, my physical body may lay down, but I'm spirit. I will never die. I take my last breath on this earth. The next breath is in heaven. I'm an eternal being. So are you. Whether you know Christ or do not know Christ, you are an eternal being. Either eternal death or eternal life. People last forever. Now, let me just say it this way. This is what I'm trying to tell you. And I think Jesus was trying to tell the disciples in these three years. If you see an error in your uh, bank account report, what do you do? Well, you call or go to the bank. And when you go to that person, what do you do? You tell them they're heir and they're idiots. No, you don't say that. But you tell them they're heir, right? Because they're wrong. There's $3 that's supposed to be there that's not there. Now, when you go there, you know what's the most important thing when you go there? Not your bank account. It's the person you're talking to. When you go to school and you're sitting in class, the most important person in that class is not you. Because you have a God that you are his daily delight. You are most important to him. But what he wants you to do is understand that others are more important. Not so that you try to get friendly with everybody and everybody's your friends because that's, that, doesn't that doesn't happen. That's impossible. Because friendship is not, hey, I got 5,000 friends on my phone. No, you don't. You have about 10. <laughs> and 4,990 others that don't know a clue about you and don't care. Okay, pastor, get off of that. Will you share the gospel with that teller? Will you want to see and to hear in their voice if there's a need that they have? If they're being spiritually attacked or if there's a disease? I can't tell you how many times because I have set my heart to know people when I'm around them and to care for them when I'm around them. I can't tell you how many people out of the blue say, you know, I've been struggling with a sickness and I don't go, Really? I don't care. Stay away from me then. I don't want your sickness. No. I, I look at that and I say, thank you, Lord. You let them feel comfortable with me so that I could pray for them and they could be delivered from their sickness. Matthew 18, 9. This is pretty extreme what Jesus said to, it, to them. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Talking about salvation. But now, obviously, Jesus is not talking literally, but Jesus is trying to get a point across that there is an eternal hell for people 
Hell wasn't planned for people. Hell was planned for Satan. But when people made Satan their father through sin, then if they go from this life, in other words, their body lays down, then what happens if they haven't confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, then they will go to where their father is, Satan, hell. And, and what we're seeing here is that Jesus is really looking at this because Jesus said, do anything you can to avoid hell because I have seen it. I've been there and I know what it is. <laughs> he could actually say, I created it. Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20 and you see this all. When you understand God, who he is, you have the correct concept of God. You begin to see all scripture in proper light. You begin to understand scripture. When a lot of people say, I don't read the Bible because I just don't understand it because you haven't been intimate with God. When you're intimate with God, scripture becomes like your friend talking to you. Matthew 6 says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, I don't understand that. Here's, I'm gonna tell you, you will truly understand it. True treasure, it's people. Treasure to God he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Gold, the, the, the heaven's gates and, and streets are paved with gold. Riches don't satisfy him. He doesn't need it. He owns it all. You know what true treasure is to God? You. You are his treasure. You are everything he desires. You know, some people's bank accounts are bankrupt in heaven because they haven't thought once to preach the gospel to someone here on this earth. What is the gospel preached? That they're more important than you. That God loves you. I'm here for you because I know I have a God that's always here for me. He never sleeps nor slumbers. The God you and I serve, church, he is he's such an amazing lover of us. People need Jesus because eternity is waiting. Here's the third reason why people are on Jesus' mind. Jesus saw the potential in people better than anyone ever had. That's why sinners were around him. All the other, you know, people that, a lot, well, there were rich people with Jesus, but all the other religious people with Jesus, but there were many that were not because it was about them. It was always about them. It was about what Jesus could do for them. If they were around Jesus, they could get prestige. If they were around Jesus, they could get power. Remember the one guy? He said, how do I buy this power? In the book of Acts. People always want something with no relationship. 
And why he was around sinners, why sinners were around him, is because he treated them with respect. That's why when I showed you the trailer of the movie, Unplanned, church family, don't you dare disrespect anyone that's been involved in that, experienced that. Even people that have an opposite opinion of you. Because some of you in here do have an opposite opinion of me regarding that. But I respect you. But I make decisions based upon a truth, not a feeling or something that people want to do because they think that's just. Jesus saw them by what they could become, not what they were. The other day, I had a meeting and, and uh, I, I bought some sandwiches and some people weren't able to show up and, and bought a little extra just in case more showed up. And so I had about, I don't know, nine sandwiches, whatever it was left. And so I, I grabbed those sandwiches I said, what are you going to do with all that, pastor? I said, I got some homeless people I've been ministering to the last five years. I'm going to go give them a sandwich and give them scripture. I'm going to preach them. I'm going to heal them. I'm going to cast out devils. Amen? You know why? Because it's about people. And I don't judge people where they're at. Some of you might think, because I wear a coat and tie, you know, so you might think because maybe I stand up here or whatever. Uh, you know, I love people. When, when Terry stood up here and with tears in her eyes, we weep for you a lot. We weep for you. We rejoice with you. We cry because we rejoice. When miracles take place, when things you're desiring, when you get a job, when, when your business succeeds... We rejoice with you when your business closes, when you lose a house, which we had years back, about eight, nine years, ten years ago. We had many people lose their homes. It's like I was crying 24-7 because it's about people. And when we get that, yeah, I cast all my care on the Lord, but he's given us emotions to get close to him, but he's also given us emotions to be with people who are hurting With Catherine that was here, the first service. Lynn, you're here, this service. And we just had the funeral for your wonderful husband. And the reality is, it's about people. We're only one person. I, Terry and I, well, two people. Terry and I can't do it all. And see, that's the point. There's 5% that only I can do at the church, and 95% of what the church does, you do. And what I'm crying out to you is saying, it's about people. People are dying and going to hell. People are dying early because of sickness. And people are in bondage because of an enemy. And you have the power to deliver them. Every gift, ability you have comes from God too. He wants you redeemed and your gifts redeemed to be used for the kingdom. Again, I, I, I'm not wanting to embarrass a family, but wasn't that a beautiful family up here? And I was looking at, the, at the, the, the second child, and I was looking, man, what a 
cute dude, you know, the pretty young ladies and the good-looking couple and all the different things. Yeah, but that's on the outside. But I could tell there, there's something there in them that has such great potential. And I was looking at all of them. And I just saying, wow, God, when you do something, you do it good. Amen? It's not that, that anybody's perfect. None of us are. But we have to understand our potential when we understand the heart of God and have a true concept of God, it's about people. And if we resemble ourselves because we're creating the image and likeness of God, then it's about people for us. It's about others. I can't tell you how many people texted and called and prayed and emailed regarding my brother and still do it. Still asking me in the foyer and I'm I'm walking towards to come up here and to get in worship and people are asking and how gracious they are. You know, and, and a guy gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek and just said, I want you to know the kiss of God is there. And, and you know, that's what it's about, church. You didn't get your gift from Mother Earth either. You got it from Father God. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> yesterday I was, I had a meeting with some amazing people that are going with me to Israel, yay. And, and uh, when I left, I was just rejoicing in it, and then I was starting to pray in tongues for the trip. Just, Lord, what we experienced this morning, I was saying, let's experience that for the trip. We just got so like family, and there were tears, and just, it was awesome. And that's what's going to happen when we go to Israel. But, but here's the point. I was praying in tongues and the Lord said, stop for a moment and turn on the radio. And so, you know, it's usually turn off the radio, Gary. I want to talk to you, you know, because I like music. Anyways, so I turned it on. It was a talk show. And on the talk show, a guy, was, I was listening. And the first five minutes, I'm going, man, he's speaking the word. It's awesome. And is he trying to be, you know, friendly to the sinner because he's not really using Scripture or anything like that? And then I found out in about, about five, seven minutes into it, no, there's a new religion. There's a new religion out there. And you know what it is? Preaching the concept of the Bible, but removing God out of it. And you know what? He was deceived. He didn't even know. I don't even think he knew he was doing that. And so you see the, the reality, and, and uh, never mind, I, I won't go any further with that. The way I think all the time, my mind just goes many different directions. But we have to realize you didn't get your gift from Mother Earth. You didn't get your gift because you went to school either. School's great. Go to school. Learn. We're not against school at all. Matter of fact, we're for school. We're for education. But we're not for any education or anything that removes God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Let me say it this way. The whole reason you have abilities to make money is to use it for the kingdom of God. 
But, but pastor, I got to feed my family. I, I, I got to get a house. I gotta... Of course you do. God's not against you doing that. No gifted person. God can use ravens to feed you. Don't depend on your business, on your job, on your allowance. Don't depend on anything, money and things and gifts to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Yes, you will use your business. Yes, you'll use your finances for that. But the reality is you always have to be kingdom-minded. And what is being kingdom-minded? It is being people-minded. Excuse me. Building the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel, because it's about people, healing the sick, and casting out demons. You know, entrepreneurs have ability to see potential in certain things. They think, you know what? I see that. You know, I could do that. I can build a business. Of course you can. You know, government didn't help you with that. The, the bank didn't help you with that. God gave you the gift. God gave you the insight. So use his abilities and walk in, in integrity in your business, and God will bless you greater than you could ever ask or think because you have great potential. Coaches have ability to see talent, to build a dynasty on. Over here, sitting over here in the first service was a lady. She's in her 70s. And um, she was married to George Taylor, it's Doreen Taylor. And George Taylor was a professional soccer player in England. They moved over here. And he played professional soccer over here uh, in some things that, at the beginning. And then he also became a coach. And he coached some of our major schools here, was part of our congregation for many years. And uh, he built champions. He built championships. He trained many guys that went into the professional soccer uh, league. And he would always tell me, I would say, George, what's the key of that? He says, I saw potential no one else saw. Hmm. Leaders have ability to see potential to develop other leaders. The secret is a church coming together and wherever you go, see people and their potential. Now here is Jesus' potential. Jesus could look at sinners and see saints. He said, you know, the word says, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. But Jesus came for all. There's not one of you in this house, not one of you, not one person you know that you can say, it's too late for them. It's never too late. The unpardonable sin is what? The rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else anybody's ever done is forgivable. Is forgivable. Jesus could see purity in a prostitute. He saw her potential, even though for years she used her body as a tool. Everyone knew Zacchaeus. He was a robber and a thief. Jesus walks in town, looks up in a tree, small guy, he gets up in the tree to see him. <laughs> and he saw that this is someone who really desired to care for other people. 
And we see in history that he cared for many people, gave a lot of money to help people in the kingdom. Jesus sees a giver. Now, who else could have seen boldness in a denying disciple like Peter? And said, basically, Peter, you're unstable now, but I'm going to help you become stable. Some of you might think, man, I'm unstable like Peter is. God can make you stable. You know how to do that? Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Deliver the demons away from it. No. Become intimate with God. And you will become everything God called you to be. By the way, I wonder what Jesus sees in you. To all you young people who are dreaming and wondering, what am I going to do in life and all the different things? And most people are telling you, well, you got it bad because this person's against you. That you know, Don't even believe that stuff. I used a nice word there. Don't even believe that stuff. That's a lie. You have such potential. And how you get that potential to come to fruition is you become intimate with God. You know who God is. Hmm. Greater than you think, too. Bible says greater than you could ever ask or think. Jesus always sees past your sin to see potential in you. Satan focuses on your sin and the destruction of it. You know that? He focuses on your sin. He tells you, you ding dong, you've blown it. Look what you've done. You say one thing and you do another. You just look at them, laugh at them, cast them away. Say, you say words, my God says words, I'm going to believe God's words. And the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me say this, Jesus knew the power he had over sin. So when looking at you, sin never hinders Jesus from seeing your potential. When you go to God and you say, God, please forgive me. He does, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. But when you go to God and you're saying, oh God, how can I, how can this be fixed? How can, and you're praying and you're praying, you're hurting. And rightfully so, because you really, you haven't been that intimate with God and you don't know his heart. You don't know the way he thinks about you. And that sin that now has been cast away from you, literally looking at the sin, he doesn't see it. He sees you, the potential. He sees you, what he's called you to be. None of your weaknesses affect him because he knows he's stronger. Scripture tells us in our weakness, he becomes strong. When you say, I can't do it, Jesus looks at you and says, really? And if I want to do a cartoon sketch, really? Let me tell you, went to the cross, took a beating, I did all the, really, you think that you can't do it? I did this so that you could. Why? Because you're my daily delight. I delight in you. I delight in who you are. I see who you are. Yeah, you've messed up. Yeah, some other people are judging you. 
But real Christians don't judge you. Amen. When I showed that trailer, I don't judge people. I just want to bring truth and let you make the good decision. He says, really? You really think you can't do that? You really think I can't fix that? Well, yeah, but God, you know, I did this and I did this and look what they're doing and look what they said and I got fired here and look at this and I got fired here and look at this and I spent five years in jail and look at this and I've been married 500 times and, uh, you know, all the different... And I'm not making light of any of this stuff, but I want you to laugh a little bit. But I want you to understand God sees through that. Didn't he say to that woman, named all the things that she did? And even today, you're with a man that you're not even married to, right? What did he say? Go and sin no more. Your sins have been forgiven. What? <laughs> what? So when, when we think that we can't do it, Cast that thought out of your head with the Word of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I believe Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just before Jesus was heading out, that's when they got it. They said, you know what? You want us to do what you have been doing, right, Jesus? You want us to be concerned about people, right, Jesus? So let me close with this. Jesus didn't have to heal the blind eyes to redeem you. Jesus didn't have to raise the dead. Jesus didn't have to cast out demons to redeem you. Jesus didn't have to minister three years to redeem you. To redeem you, this is what happened. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus died a sacrificial death. And Jesus then rose again from the grave. That's how you're redeemed. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why you are redeemed and have full potential to be like Christ. Let me read this scripture that needs to be burnt into your mind and heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's called being born again. It's called being a person that believes and confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and then from that point out goes out and cares about people. And in caring for the people has full potential and power to preach the gospel. I just want to tell you this. When you actually love people you preach the gospel 
they will get saved. I want you to understand, we're going to cover this next time together. I want you to understand that in the Greek text, in the, the Hebrew, both, it tells us that when you truly walk in love towards people, the power of salvation goes with you. The power of healing goes with you. And the authority and power over the enemy is with you. When you go out, because why? You, not because you stand up here on the pulpit. Not because you pray 10 hours a day. If you can, great. That's wonderful. I would love to do that. I don't have time to do that. But I pray every day. I get in the Word every day. But when you care about people and you understand and you get it, who Christ is, who the Father is. They are lovers of men and women. And that's you. So what I want you to do, it's a new season at Valley. I want you to start winning people to Christ. I want you to start praying for the sick. We're still going to call for the elders of the church. You know why? Because it works. And it's real. And I got amazing people in the front row here that will do amazing things and have done amazing things for the kingdom. But you go out and you take authority over the enemy. When a family is struggling, you go in there. Don't go jump up and down and act like crazy. But just go in there and say, you know what? You mind if I pray for you? Say a short prayer. Don't pray for 20 years. You know, people who don't know Jesus and the Christian goes, let me pray for you. And 10 minutes later and the unbeliever's going, what? 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Quote the scripture, take authority, and then go on and then start discipling. Lead them to Jesus and start discipling. Bring them to church. Let's all stand.